You are listening to the Clickhomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Welcome. Today is Sunday, February the 6th, 2022. Our pastor, Scott Gordon, continues his study on healthy habits with prayer expected and learned. And now we send it over to Pastor Scott. Well, in case you hadn't guessed, there's a theme for today. And it centers around this uh, habit of prayer. So I'm going to uh, encourage you to find Matthew 6. We've prayed that and recited that together as we began this morning. And then maybe kind of keep a mental note for Psalm 19. Then along the way, just jot down what you can catch as other scriptures are referenced here. As we begin our focus today on that habit of prayer expected and learned. Now, speaking of learning, I learned something this week just in reading and in various areas that the largest radio receiver on earth is in New Mexico. Now, that was kind of a weird idea for me. Like, what is this? In fact, pilots call it the mushroom patch. Now, its its real name is the Very Large Array. And part of it looks like this. The VLA is a bunch of these satellite kind of dishes there that are arranged then in that Y pattern pointed to space. And it is the single largest radio telescope uh, in the world. Now, the way it's configured there, there's maybe about a mm, half to three-quarter of a mile uh, radius around all of that. They can extend all of those uh, various satellite receivers there, of which there are 27 total in, in this configuration, to where it covers an area of nearly 23 miles And what they're doing is listening for radio sounds from astronomical objects out there in space. You say, why do they need such a big radio tuner to hear that? Well, because most all of the information that we have received through this would make no more of an impact than the sound of a snowflake hitting the ground. It's that small. It's that minute. And that's why it's also out in the middle of nowhere, with all respect to my friends and family from New Mexico uh, and so forth. They found this spot kind of in that desert area. It's surrounded by mountains, so it just acts like a wonderful receiver out away from, and I understand I even looked up where you go to visit. When you get within just a few miles, they basically cut off all cellular transmission around there to not interfere with this radio receiver. Imagine that level of effort we are putting into finding out what is out there or how objects that we may not be able to see but emit a radio signal, if you will, that allows us to develop pictures from that, all sorts of crazy stuff that's way above my level of understanding. It is my interest. I kind of get nerdy about stuff like this and go, ooh, and do a deep dive and go, wow, this is so cool uh, and everything. 
But think about this effort that we are putting into listening for what's out there. And this isn't necessarily even saying, do we know of an alien radio station that's out there? This is, I mean, far more intricate and detailed than all of this, but even better news than, than that, that we have this and we're doing this and we've got this research and we can gather in all of this information is this news from Psalm 40. Psalm 40 and verse 1 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. Now, we would think about this, and what is this? You know, whenever I get in a situation where I want some help, I can cry pretty loudly. I can scream pretty loudly. But listen to verse 2 of Psalm 40. It says this, He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. You see that picture? You've ever walked through mud? Really wonderful clay, sticky mud. If you've ever been in parts of like, you know, western Oklahoma, even southern Oklahoma, we have what's called red clay. It is some of the nastiest stuff in the world. It's some of the stickiest stuff in the world. I have gone, have you ever gone out into the mud and stuff like that and, and worn just flip-flops or something and taken one step in and stepped completely out of your shoes never to see them again? Think about stuff like, and this pit being drawn into, to fall into a pit of miry clay, the picture that is there gets to the point where not just slipping and sliding, but falling into that level of pressure against one's body. Think of even stuff like quicksand that we talk about and, and other things there. Whenever you get to that kind of pressure squeezing against you and you're trapped, your cry for help goes from being able to be, Help! To help. Maybe you felt like that in your own life. And you have just thought that my cry out to God is no bigger than help. The Bible right here says, He hears. He hears the cries of His people. We talk about healthy habits. Well, foundationally, the Word of God is essential. We don't know anything that God wants us to know aside from what He has revealed right here. Taking and applying that to our lives as we study, as we read, as we memorize, as we meditate, moves us to the one that is in that second position of significance and importance in our lives, and that is the habit of prayer. Now, I don't need a show of hands, I don't think. But if I were to ask us this question, does anybody struggle with your prayer life? I believe we would all be able to raise our hands. Do I pray like I want to do? Do I feel like I pray like I should? Can somebody please tell me what is going on? How does this work? 
We're going to spend some time looking at this habit and also on Wednesday nights in what I'm kind of calling our gymnasium of the habits, that, that kind of laboratory as we work on this, we're going to continue this emphasis on prayer there too in, in these days that are ahead of us and, and not only discover the truth about but important development of that, that habit and practice in our lives. And so I want us to begin today the, to recognize that prayer is, first of all, it's expected. And then secondly, it is learned. So let's start with expected. When we talk about expected, there's an expectation that we can see in Scripture in the way primarily, and I want to say number one, that Jesus talks to his disciples, talks to us as his people about an expectation that we pray. And in Matthew chapter 6, we find a number of verses that I'm just going to kind of highlight some aspects that are here, not necessarily reading through the whole verse, and then we'll come back to that wonderful model model prayer that our Lord gave to us in just a moment. But as we look in in verse uh, 5 of, of chapter, it says, whenever you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites. Now you're going, you stop there, you're going to emphasize, you're going to say, hey, don't be like the hypocrites. No, notice the first word in my translation, says, whenever you pray. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say if you would like to. If you get around to it, if you happen to think about it, it says whenever you pray. All right, verse 6, if this is not enough, get ready. I'm just going to kind of dogpile some verses on us. Next, verse 6, but when you pray, go into your private room. But when? Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. When? And verse 9, therefore, you should pray like this. All right, as if one chapter of the Gospels is not enough, let's just throw another one in. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 9, our Lord encourages us in this way. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I say to you is a command, it is an imperative, and it is that ask, seek, knock. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I mean, as if the rest of these, we kind of get the inference that is made there. That Jesus says, when you do this. And then it says, I am commanding you, ask and to seek. And verse Chapter, Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says this, Now that he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. I believe Jesus has an expectation of us that we pray. It's borne out in the rest of the New Testament. Just a couple other uh, instances that I want to draw our attention to this morning as I kind of run through this expectation because I, I believe we all understand this. I just want us to have some foundation to go, oh, wow, it really, that's pretty significant there. Jesus said, when? And, and that this is a need in my life. This is a, a calling that God has placed on my life to to carry through this habit in my relationship with him 
Colossians chapter 4, Paul writing to this group of Christians, chapter 4 verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. The word devote there is a commitment. It's a very intentional, deep devotion is bringing 100% of who you are. It's like the idea of covenant relationship in and throughout Scripture. When we are devoted to someone or to something, we are all in. All in, all the time. Now you say, but I'm not always going to feel that way. I understand that. And I believe... Our Lord understands that too. It will get us back to Matthew chapter 11. To take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, you will find what? Rest for your souls. Rest is not like we think. It means we have to take a nap, though none of us would turn that down. For often, but finding rest is a peace and a security. It is a level of of comfort in an assurance that God is with us, that he is carrying us through, that he will never leave us or forsake us. And the rest we find is a trust in him rather than us trying to manufacture all of this on our own. Then I love this one. If we didn't need encouragement to pray... And haven't found it already. Hopefully we'll find it here. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. What greater opportunity and privilege is there for us who have been adopted into God's family by his grace and for his glory that moves us to the point of crying out to him father in a very familiar not formal sense in a very relational sense of that young one running to his dad and the beautiful picture of that is God hears us and he picks us up. He brings us to himself. Now, as we kind of get started, that expectation is kind of a, an assumption, but it is foundational for us to understand that the idea of our prayer life is not an option for us. It is not nice if you could. It is something we must do. Must be a part. Must be a habit in our lives spiritually, if we want to be healthy, if we want to be strong, if we want to live for the glory of God to the best of our ability with our lives in all that we say, in all that we do, in all that we think, in all that we are, we must develop and continue to grow our prayer life. But it's not just a magic and it's not like there is just a special group of prayers in our lives, in our families, in our church, in Christianity at large, in Christian history. There are those certainly who have been at the forefront of being wonderful examples of prayer warriors. But prayer is not left to the superheroes of the faith. 
And it is not something that we hear about somebody who goes, man, I get up at 3 in the morning and I pray for like two and a half hours then I read my Bible for another hour and a half and then finally, whatever time that would be, somewhere around 6 o'clock, I get in the shower, I get back out and I, you know, sing worship in my house and around the, uh, in the car and on the way to work for another half hour or 45 minutes and we're going, man, if that's what it takes, I am just, I can't do that. I'm not getting up that early. And, and if you're in that camp, I am with you. I'll stay up with you all night long, man. Let's have an overnight prayer vigil. Let's do it. Don't put me to bed and say, get up at three and do it. That's just now. All joking aside, there needs to be a prioritization of prayer in our lives. It's not left to if we could do it, if God would just give me the ability to do it. He has given us the example and he has called us to seek him. First of all, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things. You think prayer fits in all? I do. But listen to this. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Jesus' disciples asked, Jesus is the subject of the he in verse 1. He was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Those hanging out with Jesus, walking with Jesus, living with Jesus, walking from place to place, all of that, notice Jesus' habit of his prayer life. He would go off, and we can look, we're not going to look today specifically at all of these, but there are numerous accounts in the Gospels where he went alone to pray. He went over here to pray, as was his habit. Not only did he go to the synagogue and read and participate in worship, as was his habit, he also got by himself to pray. The disciples recognizing that and going, how do we do this? Said to Jesus, teach us to pray. Hey, and not to pick on the disciples, we know that they were a rough group, just like us. And if God can teach them to pray, he can teach us. And so I believe we can learn. We should not count ourselves out. If we set ourselves at this other standard that we read the book on the, the person whose life was all about prayer and is one of, the, one of those highlighted individuals in, in Christian history and we think, man, if I don't get there, I'm just going to give up. That even as we struggle day by day to continue to develop that consistency in our prayer life, we can do it. We can grow. We can learn. The big question in all of that then is this, is if we ask Jesus to teach us to pray, how can we learn how to pray? Well, I'm going to mention some as I was studying this week, some encouragement, some ways to facilitate our, our prayer life, and then we're going to keep moving through this in the, in the days that are ahead of us. And so just some ideas to jot down. First of all, we can learn to pray by reading about prayer. By reading about prayer. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. 
There's absolutely nothing wrong. There's no prohibition. Oh, you can't learn about prayer by reading. Don't you dare. But being able to read great authors like E.M. Bounds, like Andrew Murray, who are two of the, the forefront writers on our prayer life, devotional books and encouraging and very challenging theological, if you will, books on the importance of prayer and, and our opportunities and, and responsibilities there. They've written numerous books there. When we start talking about corporate prayer, praying together, one of my favorites is a very recent one. It's just entitled Prayer by John Onwachekwa. Don't ask me to spell that right now. I didn't write his name down. But if you look for John O, it's one of the nine March books. It's a small book. I've used it before when we went through this, when we talked about worship and prayer together in our life together as a church. That's a wonderful book on not only should prayer be our private prayer life, but it is our prayer life together as a church. And so there are numerous opportunities there. And then if you'll turn with me to Matthew, Matthew, to Psalm 19. Another encouragement to our prayer life is this habit we've talked about recently, meditating on Scripture. What do you mean by that? Well, David's a beautiful example of this right here in Psalm 19. Verse 14 reads like this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And when we read a verse and we kind of separate it from its context, it makes it sound like David's just walking along and suddenly this thought pops in his head. And he writes down this verse you know, what we say, 14. Now, he wasn't writing down verses like we've got them outlined for us in our Bible. So the question is, is how did David get to the conclusion he reaches there in verse 14? I'm going to ask you, looking at your copy of Scripture right there in your hand, to back up to verse 7. And listen to this. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. In that focus on the truth revealed in God's word, in the scriptures that we find coming over and over again from instruction to testimony to precepts to command in the fear of the Lord, the ordinances, all of that focuses on the very beautiful revelation of scripture, that meditation on scripture gets David to call out to God, may the words of my mouth, and definitely this is a prayer, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So we see that 
That's why meditation, memorization of Scripture, reading God's Word is such a blessing for us. Not that we just check a box. Not that it's a drudgery that we have to do. But it is a door that opens up opportunity for us. If we want to strengthen our prayer life and we dig deep into God's Word and we spend time focused on the truth that is revealed there, out of that wellspring within our souls, within our hearts, will come an overflow of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is direct to God and talking to God is the essence of prayer we get this idea of prayer being something prayer very simply is our conversation with God it is our response to his work in our life his truth revealed his working there and our returning thanksgiving there's so many components of prayer but that gets us to a very wonderful springboard that ought to launch our prayer life forward now, i got another question for you. How did you learn to speak? Now, I asked, how did you learn, let me say it, how did you learn to talk? Not necessarily speak gooder or well, but how did you learn to talk? By hanging around others who were talking. None of us sets down first with the English language grammar textbook as a newborn to learn how to speak. We learn because we are around people who do it and we hear it and we begin to do the same. Now you say you're trying to avoid a very entangling word here and that's the word copy. It is what we do. We mimic that which we hear, and so we begin to speak. If you're a baby born here in the States, if you're a baby born in the South, you sound maybe a little bit different than a baby born in the Midwest. If you're a baby born in Russia, you sound completely different than a baby born here. But you hear, and so you do. Now, we've already seen the warning, and I don't want us to get off track there. Matthew chapter 6. Let's jump back there to Matthew. Matthew chapter, chapter 6 and verse 7 does warn us, When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they, that they'll be heard for their many words. But in that warning is no prohibition about saturate yourself with people who pray and let them be an example to you. That's why praying by ourselves is good. We want to develop that. That's the encouragement here in Matthew 6. When you pray, go into your closet and pray in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will answer. At the same time, we are called to pray together. And it's at the very forefront of the focus that we're going to bring in looking at where we started our worship service today, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father. That's plural. That's not just my father. It is my father and your father. And together, he is our father. And so there is an encouragement that our prayer life be both personal and corporate and group. 
And so that is a, a wonderful encouragement, a, a reminder that in this setting, in this situation, for those who are maybe young Christians going, how do I get to a point where I can really grow in faithfulness and prayer? Surround yourselves. Hang out with prayers. If you're going, hey, I've gotten off track. I need to get back. Hey, you hang around a prayer long enough, you're probably going to get asked to pray with. So let's pray together in these times. Now, I want to take this model prayer in verses 9 through 13. And I want to say one thing to begin with. I'm going to just read through it first, and it says this. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And a number of us are going, and you didn't finish. I want to just address this briefly. In the example of the model prayer, in the best and ancient, most, the furthest back manuscripts of this text, that last phrase we're used to hearing is not there. It doesn't make it no good. It's really good. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's what we're missing. Everybody goes, thank you for finally finishing that. I've been waiting the whole time we started here. And Austin just stopped right there at the end. That's not the end of verse 13. It probably is. But there is nothing in that phrase, that concluding phrase, that's in other translations, namely the King James that a lot of us grew up on. There's nothing in that phrase that is not also a helpful encouragement to us in prayer. So we're going to hold on to it. Okay? I want to just take these phrases and do what Martin Luther did and make them a breakdown for our prayer life. You see, we think praying the Lord's Prayer is let's rush through those verses and get it done, and we've prayed, we're done. That's not necessarily bad. There's not, nothing wrong with what we call liturgy. I know we Baptists are like, <laughs> when we hear that. It's just repeating the same thing over and over again. It's a, developing a habit like that where it sticks in your head is a good thing. And shame on us for trying to get away from that. But I want to take this phrase by phrase to say, you want to open up the door of your prayer life and go, listen, I try to pray, but I get about five minutes done and I'm done. I want to be able to have a more enriching and meaningful prayer life. I want to just show some of these phrases. We're going to work things out again on Wednesday night and some other places. But if you're looking for categories and way to apply prayer to your life right here, let me, let me go through these. First of all, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, is worship. Is worship. That's a great place to start. Thanking God. Think about this. This is a privilege. Thanking God that we can call him Father. Do we sit there and hear our Father who, you know, which art in heaven, how would be thy name? And we just run past that? And not stop and say, our Father in heaven, God, thank you that I can call you Father. Just spend a minute with that in prayer. 
praising him based on his name. Hallowed be your name. I'm not going to get into all the names. There's a wonderful set in the Old Testament of the Jehovah hyphenated names. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rava, Jehovah Sidkenu. These different ones that if we think about, I want to honor your name as holy. Take a moment and pray and thanking God that he is our provider. That he is our healer. That he is our righteousness. Essentially, as we look at this verse, worship is praising God for who he is and thanking God for what he has done for us. I think we could spend some time there in prayer, just focused on honoring God. That next phrase is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a point of submission or you could say surrender. We've done it in some way. It's very funny. I was not putting two and two together when I did this. But the first thing that came when it says your kingdom come was build your kingdom here. Now, I listen to it. I look at the worship order, uh, you know, prior to today. And then I do things differently. And, you know, your mind forgets one thing, especially as you get older and that you've already read and, and stuff. But anyway, build your kingdom here. That's, a, that's a, a great emphasis for us to have as we think about this. But I want to make it personal. Put it like this. Let my, and, and leave a blank there, let my blank be God's place and according to God's plan. Now, how do we fill that in? Let my life be God's place and lived according to God's plan. Let my family be God's place and us live according to God's plan. Let my church be God's place and let us live together according to God's plan. We can continue to go on. Let my community be God's place. Let that begin with me. Let my country be God's place. Now, listen, we're not worried about trying to make our country the only Christian nation in the world. And I don't believe that's our end goal. But within our country, may the church be the church God has called us to be as a blessing to this country. In the world, it says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's get to the whole world. Lord, let this world be your place. It is your creation, after all. Let that bring honor and glory to you. So your kingdom come. We're going to spend some more time with that. I, I could go on forever here. This is a time to stop. We start thinking about let God's will be done in my life. Repenting of sin. Pursuing righteousness. We're going to get into that here in a minute too. Because it says next, give us today our daily bread. And this is provision. Praying that God would sustain and strengthen us physically and spiritually. Because even when we think about fasting, which we're going to talk about in relationship to prayer, we think about that idea of hunger. God's own response, our Lord's own response to the devil's temptation was what? Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That God would sustain us physically. Not that man should not live by bread. Y'all don't need to eat. Just pray. 
you'll be fine. No, man should not live by bread alone. We need physical sustenance. But to live as God intended us to live, we should live by every word that comes from the mouth of God that sustains us. Jesus is the bread of life. Next it says in this model prayer, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's a whole sermon right here. So I'm just going to summarize. Pardon is the emphasis. We find ourselves seeking our Lord's forgiveness, meaning we ask for, we desire grace and mercy from God in our lives. We're also told to pray that we would be ones who would be extending forgiveness to others. That we would be giving grace and mercy to those in our lives around us. How important is this? This is the only aspect that Jesus followed up with a, hey, don't forget. You get to verse 13, it's done. Amen. Verse 14 says, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. I'm not going to answer what that means. I'm just going to let it hang out there. Just kind of let that ruminate a little bit. In your mind. Then finally it says, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is protection. This is the point at which we are seeking righteousness and rescue. Do not bring us into temptation. Is saying to God, lead us in the way we should go. Lead us in righteousness for your name's sake. Lead us away from temptation and deliver us from the evil one when we find ourselves going that way. Lord, hear us when we cry and rescue us from our sin. When we repent and turn to you, when we cry out, forgive us, Lord. We pray for your deliverance, your rescue, your salvation again is a very similar concept of rescue. One aspect in praying this way is to pray the armor of God in Ephesians 6, verses 13 to 17. And then finally, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We return to worship. We conclude by returning our focus exclusively to our Lord. Nothing wrong with any of the rest of that prayer. Asking God for forgiveness. Asking God for his will to be done. Praying about wisdom in circumstances that we need. But <clears throat> we are told in all of these things, mentioned it early in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to seek first his kingdom. To seek after the Lord. To make our primary focus who God is and honoring him and in all of these things being added as we need for his glory and his purpose being worked out in our life. I know I've run through this. I feel like I've opened up the fire hydrant and said, here, have a nice day. And that's exactly what I'm getting ready to do. And I would say, be here Wednesday night. We're going to take this and we're going to spend a little bit more time in some examples of prayer and praying. The days ahead of us, we've got some plans that will help us to incorporate. Because I said, we don't need to just read about prayer. We need to be praying together.
Do you ever wish you had that courage, that boldness in prayer, in your life as a Christ follower? Well, good news, the promise is there for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, sums up everything that we've been talking about today. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Because of who Jesus is, we have the privilege to have the boldness. Not to say, hey, God, here I am. I'm going to tell you what I want. You're going to give it to me. That's arrogance, which is ridiculous. But to have a confidence when we have a need, when we need wisdom, when we, when we need an answer, when we, that we can boldly, confidently approach God and say, Father, here's the need on my heart and mind. And I know your word says you hear us when we cry out to you. And I thank you for that. Let us thank him for that wonderful promise and the privilege of coming into his presence. And maybe if we're going, I'm struggling with praying. We begin even today and in the days that are ahead of us to develop a greater faithfulness than maybe we've ever known in our prayer lives and our praying together.